I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Of your coffee life. Of your coffee life. And if this is one of your first times listening to our podcast, thanks for coming. Glad uh, to have you here. When we say that Melissa's a chemist, she really is a chemist. Mm-hmm. She has her bachelor's and master's in chemistry. She currently teaches chemistry and she's getting closer and closer every day to finishing her PhD in chemistry. Ooh, so exciting. <laughs> And I really am not a chemist and I don't have it's true. any uh, chemist degrees. That's also true. And we are learning chemistry together. You and me are learning it from Melissa at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm learning it too. Sometimes I learn it to teach it. <laughs> but it's usually I'm learning a new application of principles that I've already learned about in the past. Yes, yes. Well, that was a good introduction. And also, if this is your first episode, you might want to go check out part one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coffee part one, the brew. <laughs> because this is coffee part two, the roast. The roast. So we are in the middle of a series of coffee that's been oft requested. And it's pretty fun because who knew there was so much chemistry in coffee? Yeah, seriously. I mean, I always suspected, but now I'm getting to learn the chemistry behind something I already love so much. Right. Which is so exciting. And I think you're going to feel excited about all the chemical reactions you do on a regular basis because you roast your own coffee. I do. Yeah. I'm I'm sort of a perfect sort of lay person for this because Mm -hmm. I do all these things. Everybody everybody brews coffee in some way. Most people do. Right. But then if we talk about, you know, roasting, I guess there's some parts of coffee I definitely don't do. I don't grow it. So I don't have experience there. But it is so nice to get that like extra, you know, deep layer of what's happening. But I have a layperson's understanding of just like, oh, I watched yes. the coffee going around in a thing. Yes. And it's heating up. You know more so. than a lot of other lay people would about this. In fact, I'm the layperson when it comes to coffee, but not the layperson when it comes to chemistry. Right. Absolutely. Well, this works out really well because I think you'll be able to talk some about what you've observed when I talk about the chemistry behind the roast of coffee. Right. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing that many people don't know and that I wouldn't know, Uh I think, if it weren't for you. Okay. Coffee beans, quote unquote beans, are actually the pit of coffee cherries. So the fruit that coffee trees, yeah, coffee grows on trees, which is kind of, you know, yeah. (laughs) who knew (laughs) the coffee Trees fruit, the seed of the coffee trees fruit, the coffee cherry is what coffee beans come from. Yes. So many people don't know, I think, that coffee starts out as a green hard bean. Yeah. More like a fruit seed than a coffee bean. Totally. Yeah, it's very, very seed-like in every way. And it's like, oh, that makes total sense. Because it is a seed. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh yeah. And like also when you think about it a little bit, you think, oh yeah, it doesn't make sense for it to be a bean. No, it <laughs> you know? but I don't think I would have ever thought about that before I'd met you. I would have just been like, coffee is this drink that smells good and that's how much I care about. And it comes yeah. from beans in the end, you know? Yeah. I have a group chat with some other coffee nerds and for a while we would just call them coffee seeds and just <laughs> to try, see if we could get that to catch on. And it really is, feels so weird. So coffee seeds, I could see that. That's a lot more accurate. Yeah. So when coffee beads come from the roasters after they've been dried and quote unquote processed, which there's not a lot of chemistry about the processing of 
seeds, but I think it's just basically taking them from their fruity state to their isolated dried state. Is that your understanding too, Jim? Yes. Yeah. There's lots of ways to do that, but yeah, basically they're trying to dry them out. Yep. Right. So once they're dried out, they come to the roasters and they are these hard little green beans, just like a seed. Mm-hmm. And then there is a plethora of chemistry that happens uh-huh. as they're being roasted and all this chemistry transforms these little green coffee beans into the delightful smelling dark brown coffee beans that we know and love. Yes. Nice. And I also think something that people might not know is there's something called coffee bean cracking in this process. Uh-huh. That's also part of what happens in the roasting process. And we're going to talk about that too. Okay. Nice. So very exciting. I am so happy to know about all the chemistry. And if, if it's in well with our purification episode from part one. Oh, yeah. We talked about how all you can do all these chemistry reactions, but you ultimately need to purify to get just what you want. Mm-hmm. So we did the purification step in part one. And now I'm telling everyone, you and everyone, how we make the chemistry, what the chemical reaction is. Okay. Okay. The chemistry is pretty complicated, not surprisingly, and not Everything is known about it, but a lot is known about it. One paper said it's complex and poorly defined chemical reactions. Uh Another paper described it as lots of chemical reactions over a range of temperatures. Mm. I think both of those are pretty accurate. Uh So when the beans come to the roasters in their green state, they have a lot of different molecules Some have more caffeine than others. Some have different types of flavor molecules than others. But all of them pretty much have carbohydrates in the form of sugar, other carbohydrates, proteins, and some acids. And those acids actually usually break down into the molecules that give flavor. Mm -hmm. There's also fats. And then, of course, caffeine, although that comes in varying amounts. Okay. So all those are present in pretty much every green coffee bean. Okay. But if you imagine you have all these molecules in a tiny little pod Mm -hmm. and you put that pod into heat, these molecules are going to start getting energy. And when they get energy, what happens? They start to move around Mm -hmm. and they'll start to run into each other and chemical reactions happen. Ah, yes, I see. So there's all kinds of chemical reactions that happen. One that happens pretty quickly is what's known as a Maillard reaction. Nice. Throwback. Throwback. So if you don't remember this, you can go back to one of our very early episodes that was called What Makes Toast Toasty, I believe. Oh, yeah. I like that. (laughs) And Maillard reactions is just a quick overview. It's what happens when a sugar and protein react to form a polymer. Mm. And what's a polymer jam? It is a large molecule made up of small molecules. That's right. Small repeating units. They just go over and over. So you could imagine be sugar, protein, sugar, protein, sugar, protein to make this big, large, brown Mm -hmm. polymer. Nice. That tastes good. It tastes good. And it also is starting to turn the green coffee bean from greenish yellow to a tannish brown as more and more of this polymer is formed. Right, right. So that's partially responsible for the color changing in a coffee bean. The other thing that's happening is caramelization. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about that much, but 
caramelization occurs at high temperatures between just sugar. It's two sugar molecules. Okay. But it does also end up in a nice brown polymer. Okay. Okay. Something else is happening also. Okay. Even though coffee beans seem hard and dried, Mm -hmm. there is some water in the bean still. Okay. So while these reactions are going on, water is also heating up. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, we kind of already touched on it, but the best chemistry lesson of this episode is as molecules heat, Mm -hmm. they start to move around more. Mm -hmm. And as they go from their liquid state to their gaseous state, they move around even more. So they're spreading apart from one another, right? Right, right. And as they're moving around that much, they start to put pressure on the walls of whatever space that they are in. Mm-hmm. And as that pressure builds and builds, it physically expands the coffee bean. Okay. This is sounding very familiar to what I've experienced. Yes. As you roast coffee beans, oftentimes they will expand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it expands and puts so much pressure on the bean up until the point that the bean physically cannot handle the pressure anymore. And what happens under pressure? Things explode or pop or whatever. Things explode, pop, or crack. Crack. So the coffee bean actually cracks open to give an out to all of the vapor pressure that's building up in Uh, there. That makes so much sense. So that's why they call... When you hear coffee roasting, there's a first crack. Yeah. That, uh, that is the result of water vapor that has built up to the pressure point that the bean can't take anymore. Nice. So usually the first crack is supposed to happen around 205 Celsius, which is interesting because water begins to vaporize. I mean, water boils at about 100 Celsius. Uh-huh. So that is double the temperature of water's boiling point when the crack finally happens. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And is that what you've seen in your roasting? Is it usually around 200 Celsius? I think that would be close to 400 in Fahrenheit. Yeah, it is. It is probably. So the temperatures I have are like, I have a reading of what the roaster is set to, kind of like an oven. You know, you set your oven to 400. Mm -hmm. In the case of my roaster, I set it to that 480. Wow, that's Um, hot. It's very hot. But I bet that finally the beans are getting to around um, that temperature inside. Mm. It takes a while, I would guess. And then that's when they crack. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That sounds right. Well, there's also another reaction that continues to happen, but I'm going to stop right there and say light roasts are typically stopped after the first crack. Yes. Once that first crack occurs, then the roasting process shuts down. Yes. And that's almost all I do. So my experience of the process, unless I mess up something, stops (laughs) right around there. I would try to... Make sure all the beans have reached first crack and then I take them out and try to cool them off as fast as I can. (laughs) So they're not (laughs) continuing to go. Yeah. Well, the other reaction that happens or one other reaction, I guess there's probably lots of others making side products that smell really amazing and everything is something known as pyrolysis. Uh Uh-huh. And pyrolysis is kind of a fancy term for molecules breaking down and releasing gas like CO2. Okay. So they're, they sometimes refer to pyrolysis as degrading, but basically molecules are still reacting with each other and they're releasing CO2. Mm. And this is happening within the coffee bean. And within the coffee bean, there are 
strong cellular walls Mm -hmm. made of cellulose. Okay. And so again, this reaction is happening and these gases are being released and now pressure is being put on the cell walls within the coffee bean, not the overall bean itself, but on the cell walls. Okay. And actually that pressure will build up again to the point that the cell walls will crack. Oh, I see. And that is what we call the second crack. Yes. And something interesting that happens on the second crack actually is the cell walls have now cracked. So the oils and fats within the walls are able to get out of the cells. Yeah. And dark roasts that have gone to this point often have an oily appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, that's interesting. I've I've definitely noticed that. And it's always bad news in my book because (laughs) I'm like, it means I forgot to take the roast out or I didn't hear my timer or I was too busy prepping the next thing or something like that. Well, I will say something interesting about that that I think really speaks to how you love the flavor of coffee itself Uh is that they say that dark roast means that what you're mostly tasting is the flavor of the roast of those side products. And most of the coffee itself flavor is overshadowed by the all of the pyrolysis products, the Maillard reaction and the caramelization and you are tasting more of the roast itself rather than the coffee itself. Uh, Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. So it almost overshadows the original flavor. You love the flavor of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes sense that you wouldn't want that. But I've heard they do use those dark roasts for lattes. I love lattes. So what does that say about me? Well, I (laughs) guess it's, I think one thing too is that like all the flavors I don't like Mm -hmm. are severely curbed when you have a latte. So like that's true. So it's kind of nice. I bet you would, if you had to drink a black cup of coffee, you'd probably prefer light roast too. Yes. I would bet. In the past, that's been true. Yeah. And I think most people probably would. Not everybody. Obviously, there's people who like the taste of, you know, ashes and stuff, but <laughs> that's how I feel like it tastes sometimes. It's like, yeah. yikes. But. And as those reactions proceed, the coffee gets darker and darker. And that's why as it roasts longer, it's called a medium roast and then a dark roast. Yeah. Okay. Dang. Interesting. And I will say when the coffee bean cracks and even in the second crack, oftentimes that's when the aromatic molecules are released, giving the classic coffee flavor. Uh-huh. And there are actually hundreds of different molecules in coffee, but only around 30 have been identified that contribute significantly to the flavor of coffee. Okay. Although that kind of surprises me. I think they may be mean classes of molecules, like 30 types of molecules. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because I know that Maillard reactions themselves can give a lot of side products. Right. right. That also usually smell and taste great. Right. Right. And that's it. That's the chemistry behind coffee roast. You've got a lot of different reactions causing molecules to do a lot of different things. And that results in your delicious coffee. Nice. Very cool. Jam, would you like to try to give a chemistry lesson recap? Yes, I'd love to. And then maybe we can do our coffee corner with Jam and you can tell us all about your roasting process. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. As a quick disclaimer, due to some parenting overlaps, there are, (laughs) and some schedule changes, there are some toddler sounds in the background of this section of the episode. And so we're very sorry. (laughs) Sometimes life happens, you know? So... We start out with this, we already have received this dried out seed of the coffee plant, coffee Mm -hmm. cherry, and we've got a lot of them. They're this small little green dried seed, Mm -hmm. 
and we go. Oh, I did forget to say that depending on the region that the coffee bean slash seed is from, it will have variety. It will have a variety of different molecules Mm. that may be present in it. That makes sense. So that's why some have different amounts of caffeine and some maybe have slightly different flavors depending on the region. Yeah, that makes total sense. So we take that and obviously put it in a lot of heat, no matter Mm -hmm. what kind of roaster you got. Hopefully it's uh, heating. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a requirement for roasting. (laughs) So as these coffee seeds are being heated up, Mm -hmm. all the different kinds of molecules, which there's tons, including some like water and stuff like that. Water, sugar, sugar, protein, proteins, and that you said that the sugar is carbohydrates or whatever. It's like yeah, sugar yeah. is a type of carbohydrate, and there's often other carbohydrates as well. Mm-hmm. And as we know, when things heat up, the atoms and molecules in them start to get excited, and they expand and move around and inter- right? interact and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And we get all kinds of things to, ha- to start happening, like polymers can start being formed with the Maillard reaction. That's right. The tastiest reaction. Where sugars and proteins are turning into creating this this polymer mm-hmm. as they get hot enough and react together. And then also the water that's in the coffee seeds at a certain point starts to expand and turn into right? steam. Yes. And as that happens, the beans get a little larger. And at a certain point... To be able to release that steam, right? Pressure is being put on the beans. Mm-hmm. They crack open. They literally explode. And we can hear it. Mm-hmm. I hear it every time I roast coffee. It's like a little, it's like a little sort of faint popcorn pop kind of thing. <laughs> and that lets me know that they are ready to come out of the roaster mm-hmm. because they've reached the point that I want them to be roasted to. Which that's typically the light roast stage, correct? Correct. If I were to do something that I don't normally do and want a dark roast, mm-hmm. I would leave them in longer. Right. And a lot of those reactions would continue happening. Like, and in addition to the Maillard, we talked about what other reactions do you remember? I remember at least the one where it starts putting pressure on the cell walls. Mm, right? That's called pyrolysis. Pyrolysis. Mm-hmm. And that starts to break the cell walls open because they have to release that pressure. Right. Which releases oils we see that like yeah shininess on the outside of the coffee beans yeah and you actually had a dark roast that i looked at and it really does have that oily mm-hmm. i was amazed to see it yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how quickly it happens and i've it was an accident so i just kept it and use it for lattes for my wife because she likes to have those sometimes um but that happens mm-hmm. oil starts to come out it gets a lot darker mm-hmm. oh and I, I guess i should say that causes that second crack we hear the paralysis. The second crack is the cell walls and the coffee bean starting to crack and break open and release that pressure, right? Right, exactly. I think the only thing you missed is something else that contributes to the dark color of the coffee is caramelization. Oh, caramelization, yes. Which is sugars reacting with themselves. Yeah. And I do think it's really cool and important thing to note is a similar thing that causes sea level rising and climate change mm-hmm. is thermal expansion. And that also is what puts the pressure on the coffee beans that causes the first crack is the water is expanding as it heats up. Right, right. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. The same thing that causes sea level rise also brings you your coffee. 
Yeah. Brings the delicious flavor of coffee. It's great when it's on this tiny scale and one little coffee seed. It's right. not great when it's the entire ocean. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's about it in terms of the chemistry lesson for today. You did a great job recapping it. I'm really impressed. And I love the idea of a lot of chemical reactions over a range of temperatures. I think that describes it really well. Mm. But I did want to jump into coffee corner with jam and ask you how you roast your own coffee. I mean, do you do it in the oven or do you have a roaster? What does your roaster even look like? What is that process like? Because I think our listeners also want to know. I've heard them also ask questions about that. Yes, I'd be glad to tell you guys. Thanks for asking. Thanks for giving me an excuse to have to tell you about coffee. (laughs) So I have used a lot of different things to roast coffee. The first thing I ever used was a wok. It's not a bad option if you ever want to just try it out. You just got to stir it the entire time and keep all the, keep the beans moving and stuff like that. But it's, is it hard to get it up to the right temperature? It's, it can be, I mean, walks can get, if you have one that's not coated in anything, you can get them pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just really easy for it to be super inconsistent from time to time. Right. Like stoves are normally not trying to be very super precise and every stove is a little different. So you don't have the ability to necessarily know like, oh, when I turn it to five on my stove, it gets it to up to 480 degrees. You know, it's hard to like know that stuff about your own stove. It's not as consistent as some other instruments would be. (laughs) Yeah, Especially the electric stoves that kind of pulse how much the, you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But, um, so I've used a wok. I've never used the oven. People usually say that that's not a great way for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why. So I've never tried that. I've used a little stovetop. Sounds like your son also wants to share his coffee roasting experiences. Yeah, he's very excited about it. He's like, oh, I've watched my dad do that. And here, I'll tell you my version of it. I'm not sure how well people can hear, but he is chiming in. <laughs> <laughs> I've used a little stovetop popcorn popper thing that has a crank oh, with it. Oh, yeah. That stirs them around. It's really nice because it has a lid. Yeah. It keeps the heat inside, helps things be much more even. It's usually lightweight too, so it probably conducts the heat pretty Uh well often they're made of aluminum sometimes stainless steel yeah and so those are a great option if you're ever curious those are available lots of places and you don't have to do i got one at a thrift shop once yeah and at one point i even my friend and i both had those we um dremeled off the crank and attached a tiny little motor instead (laughs) and so then we had these motorized little um, pop stovetop popcorn poppers. I have a YouTube video uh, that shows <laughs> showcases mine. That's funny. Working and um, it's one of my most viewed YouTube videos on my very <laughs> pretty much non-existent YouTube channel. And then I had this tiny little countertop roaster that could roast only like around a third of a pound at a time. It's like about 150 grams or so. So how many cups is that? For the layman like me. So about 20 grams per mug of coffee. So you could do... Six or so, six or seven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was roasting around, you know, seven or eight mugs of coffee at a time. So not a lot. Right. So finally, eventually, I was able to upgrade to a little roaster that roasts half a pound. So not a huge difference. Not a huge difference at all. That's what I currently use. It roasts around 220 grams per... Okay. All right. And so I use that now. It's called a Gene or Genie <laughs> Cafe. And about how much does one of those cost? Like how much have you invested in your coffee roasting experience? So 
So if you were to buy one of those new, I think they're somewhere north of $500 for one of those. Oh, but you bought it used. I bought it used from some friends of ours who used to roast and then abandoned it. <laughs> and um, it takes about, I have to preheat it, mm-hmm. which helps a lot speed up the process. It's, it's kind of nice because then when you put the beans in, you're trying to get them up to temperature to get reach first crack. The sooner the better. Right. Um, for a lot of those little small roasters, you don't want the outside to get super reacting and really right. dark before the inside has reached temperature. Right. Before the crack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of these, uh, these little small roasters, the name of the game is to get it really hot, really fast and then get them out of there and you cool them externally. So that's what I do. It takes about nine or 10 minutes to wow. do a roast after I've already preheated it. That's fast. Yeah. It's pretty fast. And I will say that that's, I think, some of the basics of how I roast coffee. Um, and then I store them in an airtight jar, keep oh, them in yeah? a cupboard. To try to keep the air aroma locked in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I could definitely go on and go into lots of other details, but that's the sort of, I think, most important elements of what it's like to roast coffee. Well, I will say... Although I'm not involved in much of the coffee drinking in my home, the coffee that is drunk in my home comes from Jam's Roaster. That's true. And I think, don't you provide a few other people with coffee, roasted coffee, but you're not selling it right now to people that you'd have to ship to, correct? Correct. It is some neighbors. Um, It's like one of those things where, you know, if you are an avid baker or an avid anything, you can often tend to just have extra around. Mm -hmm. So a few neighbors and friends of ours um, get coffee from me, but it's not something that I can, I mean, I'm only roasting half a pound at a time. So (laughs) that is not really the kind of thing you want to scale for trying to have a business or anything like that. Right, right. I know some people have asked. Yeah, people have asked. I would love to someday, but at the moment you guys can do the math and realize how hard it would be to only be able to roast half a pound (laughs) at a time and try to do that as a service for people. It's just not, if I had an abundance of time, then I actually would just probably do it. Right. It's really fun. Yes. But at the moment, being able to move at such a snail's pace on roasting coffee makes it impossible. So. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Well, thank you so much for sharing about how you do your coffee jam. That was really fun. And normally at this point, we would share something fun that's happened to us this week, but jam son is really interested in our stopping this podcast and hanging out with him instead. Mm hmm. So perhaps you can hear him voicing his displeasure with us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wrap it up here. And next week is our Q&R. So you can hear all of the fun stuff going on in our week in that episode. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for teaching me and all of us about the chemistry of roasting coffee. Super interesting. I've always wanted to know more. I know just enough to get the job done in terms of <laughs> actually doing the thing, but knowing the detailed chemistry behind it is awesome and you guys thank y'all for sending in your ideas and your questions about chemistry please don't hesitate to do that things like what how what's the chemistry of roasting coffee we love to hear questions they are such great ideas so send them to us on gmail twitter instagram or facebook at chem for your life that's chem f-o-r your life to share your thoughts and ideas if you'd like to help us keep our show going or contribute to cover the cost of making it go to ko-fi.com slash Kim for your life and donate the cost of a cup of coffee. If you're not able to donate, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing our review on Apple Podcasts. 
that also helps us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to A. Collini, who reviewed this episode.